Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on December the 12th, 2023. I'm your host, Game of Psychologist, and with me, as always, the birthday boy. Our caffeine rage. On today's show, we will be discussing a few games that we played. Epic defeats Google in jury trial over App Store Monopoly case. Bethesda is an entitled little brat with a couple of stories. <laughs> and, and in our community corner... Doom's 30th Anniversary Pictures Collection, sent to us, uh, someone on Twitter, and The Day Before Falls Apart Only a Few Days After Launch. We've got several news articles tied to that. Uh, timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? Uh, uh feeling older? <laughs> that, yep. Yep, that checks out. I could, I could see that. Ew, old. Oh. No, it's like, get off my lawn. Yep. All the way off. Yes, all the way. Oh, my. Um, yeah. I feel older today, too, even though it's not my birthday. Got a headache, cramps and pains and aches. You know, but that's just, that's usual for me at this point. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, for me, I, well, I also work today, so... There was, you know, Chicken Man stuff. Right. Although, was it actually that bad of a day overall there? Just kind of steady work. So, you know, uh, kept myself busy. Nobody realized it was my birthday until, you know, I was going off shift. Because uh, the way that stuff is set up there, they have an app that uh, is like the party chat for uh, the store. Yeah. Uh, and announced my birthday in that, and nobody checked it till I was uh, literally like in the last ten minutes of my shift. And I don't... Maybe it's just my upbringing, but it feels very narcissistic to, you know, go in announcing, hey, my birthday today, woo! Yeah. I mean, I was... Uh, it, it might just be where my birthday is so damn close to Christmas. And there was three birthdays, you know, literally back to back. Uh, it just feels like, you know, not, not that important, you know? Yeah. And also, I, well, I wasn't the favorite grandchild, so, you know, I never mm. got the parties or anything. I'm sorry, no, I'm buddy. not bitter. I'm sorry, buddy. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's narcissistic to be like, oh, yeah, today's my birthday. But I think people can make it that way. And they're like, today's my birthday, mm-hmm. bitch. Like, you know, love me, notice me, focus on mm-hmm. me. I always go in and tell people it's my birthday, and I'm like, today's my birthday, so leave me the hell alone. That's what I want for my birthday. Leave me uh, alone. I see, I don't, I don't get that. Leave me alone, it's, uh, well, I got stuff I gotta do. <laughs> yeah. I usually take my birthday off, if I can. It doesn't uh, I, always work out where I can do that, but, but I try. I, 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 I thought about that, but uh, okay. Well, my last pay cycle really sucked because okay, uh, the uh, the store was closed Thanksgiving Day, so pretty much everybody was getting an extra day off because of that. Uh, but the general manager decided that she only won one cook that Sunday, which robbed me of my uh, shorter 
fifth shift. Yeah. And, you know, why would you want to take a cook on literally the busiest travel day of the fucking year? Right? I can't I, I can't think of a reason why you would want want to do that. Yeah. Makes sense to to only have one one person. So it, it did make me feel a little like like welcomed or uh, you know, like that imposter uh syndrome slipping a little when uh Chicken Sensei went thermonuclear on why he was the only uh uh, cook there for the church rush on you know that Sunday. I mean, supposedly he went fucking off on a rip roaring t- uh, tirade. So yay, I'm better than nothing. <laughs> You're very good. I love you very much. You're way better than nothing to me. I touch. I was. I was. Eh, it doesn't. I, I was gonna say I'm. I'm only touching you with my words. And then I thought, oh, I could say I'm only touching you with my mouth, but then that touch. That, that plays into the bad touch a lot, so. <laughs> bad, bad touch. Bad touch. Oh god, bad touch. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, that lady wanted to feel feel my touch. <laughs> yeah, but what does she do? That'll be that'll be some Franken content for for you guys when it when it comes out. Just a short little story about me being hit on. But uh, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the automatrist is a few doors down. Right. Uh, th- uh, that was mean. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Speaking of being hit on, though, ah, uh, ah, uh, let's let's move into talking about some games. Uh, because I have one that involves hitting on people, both right, with a sword wanna, and with your words. So you just want to trade off? You do one, I do one. Yeah. Although I need to flip flop mine. Because of the the segue that I use, so let me let me flip flop that real quick. So this the the couple games that I have been playing, probably the worst for like I've not got a lot of time here lately because of things going on in my life. So let me just start a couple of JRPGs. Uh, one of them uh, I was one that I've played before, and the other one was one that I got as part of a humble bundle that. I had been interested in for a while, and that one is Tales of Vesperia. There are several games in this series. I don't know how many. I just, I know there are several. And they are sort of tangentially connected for the most part via the world um, and a few key characters. Um, One of the the biggest reasons I was interested in Tales of Vesperia was um, the fact that from everything I'd heard, it was very anime. And, like, I think a lot of people might think JRPGs, like, by default are very anime, but that's not true. They, JRPG primarily just refers to, um, you know, the fact that they are Japanese-styled role-play games, hence JRPG. And so while there are some shared mechanics, especially in a lot of older JRPGs, the types of stories that they can tell, tell, the way that they tell them, the characters, the design, like, can be drastically different. So to see one that has been sort of sold whole cloth as like, this is a very anime JRPG, I was interested in. Um, And from my experience with the story up to the point where I just couldn't play it anymore, that seemed to be be true. You play long-haired, at least in the beginning, long-haired anime protagonist boy who's kind of a loner uh, and who is known for having a cool magical dog and 
very good skills with a blade, and you're being constantly compared to another Magical Boy anime character, and the two of you are on two sides of a conflict. And the game supposedly goes back and forth between the two, but I, I never got to the second character. Um, it does a good job building its world. It does a good job bringing its characters out and, and letting you learn about them and experience them in interesting ways and uh, growing together with them in the first few hours of the game. Um, there's the primary anime protagonist that, that you are, and then you meet up with a cute anime girl who at first you think might be a love interest but really develops more of like a familial relationship and whom you want to just protect at all costs because they're cute and sweet and naive and you want to protect them from the dangers of the world very very anime stuff like the first three four hours of the game feel very much like the first two or three episodes of any sort of shonen adventure anime that that uh that goes through these kinds of strokes you know but there are two halves to any JRPG, really to any RPG that is going to involve combat, and that's the story and the combat. And the story seems good. The combat is dog shit. It is so bad. Um, it is an active or a real-time combat system, which is fine. There are JRPGs that do this well, and there's one, another one that I'm playing that I'm not ready to talk about yet that is doing... A, a much better job of this. Um, and this is another JRPG, which I have played in the past, uh, Star Ocean. I'm not going to talk about that, but at, at the moment, but you know, there, there are JRPGs that do the active or real time combat system. Well, this does not, it's slow. It's clunky. It's not responsive. Um, and it's really unintuitive. And it's also bland. Every arena is a simple circle with a background that reflects the area in which you are fighting. So there's, a, in, in the beginning of the game, there's a castle that you are get locked up in, like a dungeon, and you're escaping. And then there's like a sewer, and then you're out in the city streets, and then you're in like a forest. Um... And so the backgrounds are reflective of those environments, but it's just a big empty circle. There's no terrain, there's no obstacles, there's there's nothing. Just a big empty circle that you fight in. And you know, you fight against however many opponents. I've never fought against more than 4. Um, but I suppose there's the potential for there being more. Um you can have a maximum of 4 companions, although I never got more than 3. Um and uh it just it just sucks. Um, the the camera, your your character tends to like go in whatever direction the camera is pointing. Its auto lock system is not very good, and it will quickly lose enemies or get stuck on the wrong ones. Um, and then you can easily accidentally attack in the wrong direction, and it's very slow. It's very sluggish. So if you miss, you can't quickly dodge or block or parry you're just going to wind up getting hit and then you can kind of jump out of the way and reset yourself and it's it's the the first boss that you fight i almost quit because i couldn't beat the boss um even with the difficulty turned down i i couldn't beat the boss because the camera was bad and the controls were so sluggish and unresponsive um 
it did get a smidgen better with a companion, but not much better. You have, you know, you have special moves that you build up um, the ability to use throughout the combat, and and those mercifully can end a fight really quickly if you are able to get one off early enough in a fight. But it's just, I spent every time I got into combat wishing I was not in combat and waiting for it to be over. And a, a whole bunch of the game is combat. So it just sucks. I don't know if I, I do not, cause this game is loved. Like it's a beloved game. So I don't know if there's something that has not been translated into the PC port very well. Cause this was originally, I believe a PlayStation game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the sluggish controls perhaps are an issue with the port or, or if what? It's just nostalgia. Or if it's just nostalgia. Cause the game has very positive reviews on steam as well, but it's just, yeah, the combat is broken. And it could be one of those things, too, like where people are like, well, if you play it for long enough, then it gets better. It gets good. But I'm I'm well past the point of my life for putting up with that. I played it for like three hours. The combat was terrible. I didn't want to, like, fight with it anymore to get to the, like, quote unquote, to where it was better. So I was done and I uninstalled it. Thankfully, you know, it was part of a bundle. I got several of the games out of the deal that I'm going to be playing and, and talking about over the next couple, three months, probably. But yeah tales of vesperia not not good in my book so what you got okay so i have a pair of games that are uh linked by basic genre but are different ways to take that genre both of my games are battle royale games all right but Mm -hmm. not the shooty cringy fortnite uh, shit that's been going on. I've been trying to find Battle Royale games that are you know, something different than just you know, oh no, it's uh, the same shooter, only with a different coat of paint on it, right? Right. Sort of like how Mario 35 was you know, back when that was still active. So my first one is a rhythm well, it claims rhythm, but honestly it's more uh, memory games uh, called Headbangers Rhythm Royale. This is free to play on uh, Game Pass or 15 bucks on Steam. And it's basically a combination of like the old uh, 3DS uh, game Rhythm Heaven mixed with WarioWare with very phallic looking pigeons. I mean, extremely phallic pigeons. It's uh, published by uh, Team Seventeen, and it's it's one of those games that it feels like it's uh, riding under the radar, and it's killing itself because of it. So the entire idea of it is it's a multiplayer competitive game where you're a pigeon that wants to be the biggest headbanger in the land, and to do that, you have to compete against other pigeons for that honor. And it's uh, 30-player competitive uh, lobbies, uh, with each lobby having uh, elimination rounds up until the final, uh, you know, uh, final showdown. Uh, First uh, round is 30, then it drops down to, to, I believe, 20, then 15, then the final uh, is 10. Now, the problem with this is that it's not a very popular game, even with crossplay and on Game Pass. 
So there's a lot of just bots put uh, put into the system to begin with, which makes it so that uh, the first game, maybe two, uh, depending on how unlucky you get, can go very quickly just because the bots are not programmed to be competitive. Right. Which is frustrating. So you don't really get time to practice. Also, the people that have been playing this or and have really latched onto it have kind of almost feels like no lifed it. <laughs> so you either have brain dead bots or people that you're like level eighty already have, have maxed out the battle pass because of course there's a battle pass, right? Uh and there's really very little in between. Which is kind of a frustrating thing for this. It, it does feel like there is room for this game to grow. And they say season one, so possibly they'll uh, have uh, continued support. But honestly, I kind of would be surprised by it. Just because, you know, player accounts just really don't seem to be there. Right. And it's kind of a shame because I do think that there's plenty of room for... Well, saying alternative battle royales is not the, quite the right way to phrase it, but different takes on the genre. So, uh, essentially, uh, you have uh, more music-focused uh, mini games where one might be uh, um, uh, identify instruments that are playing a piece of music. And the first portion of the game will be uh, one instrument, then you'll hear two instruments together, then three instruments and four instruments. Uh, one might be uh, uh, just uh, be able to fa- uh, do like a Guitar Hero-esque uh, at minigame where you have to punch in the combination of uh, buttons uh, uh, quicker than everybody else, essentially. Right. Yeah, c- uh, complete the uh, different uh, uh, sub-levels of it. Um, one is, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but hear me out. You know the T-Rex game in Chrome? Yeah. Uh, there's a minigame that's actually based on that, where it's uh, either uh, going low, going high, or, or hitting both at the same time. Just for anyone who's listening who isn't aware, <laughs> Chrome has got like a little T-Rex game. It's uh, when the internet goes down. Or I mean, you can access it without, but when your internet goes down, you can, like, it prompts you if you want to play this game. And you're a T-Rex who runs from left to right across the screen, and there are obstacles in the way, and you either have to jump over them or kind of duck under them, and you get scored based on how far you make it to the right. And it gets more and more difficult as time goes on. It's a cute game. Yeah, yeah and this is sort of based on that. Uh, there's... Others that are more, like, memory-based, which feels like it's kind of breaking the format of what they're uh, wanting to do. Like, uh, there's uh, one that's built around, like, uh, following along with, uh, like, an aerobic exercise. So you're following the, uh, the, uh, the, I guess, trainer. Yeah. By uh, hitting different uh, directions on the uh, thumbstick. And the closer you are to matching them perfectly, uh, the higher points you get. And the you know you have to get above a, uh, so many people in the the lobby. Otherwise, you know it's not going to uh, last very long. Uh, there's uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. There's one that's uh, uh, first person piano. So you have like a slingshot, and uh, there's a bunch of uh, 
of uh, the pigeons dressed up as like a little bit of a piano uh, keyboard. Yeah. And you have to play the melody after they play it. So it's a little bit of memory, a little bit of uh, uh, musical skill. It's got. It's just kind of frustrating that they were able to completely nail the you know, rhythm portion of it, you know? Because you know, there does feel like there's something here. It's just, I think this is going to be a dead game. And, well, actually, I haven't played it in a week or so, so it may already be a dead game. Right. Uh, I'm just glad I didn't pay money for it. How about that? You know, uh, technically, I uh, paid money because, you know, Game Pass, but... Uh, you didn't buy the game specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's one of those, uh, you know, could try it out, and it's like, oh, this is neat. Oh, they're... It's yeah, it's going uh, further and further. Uh, people to play. Uh, they uh, claim twenty three musical uh, mini games at launch, uh, with uh, more being added later on. So, we'll we'll see if they actually update it at some point, or if it's just going to be you know another one of those games that uh, got thrown out and then just you know died on the vine. Because boy, there's a lot of battle royales for that, huh? Yeah. Oversaturation in the in the mm-hmm. market. Although, like you said, music rhythm, different type of battle royale. Yeah, um, which I do appreciate. So, my my turn, or are you going to talk about uh, both of yours, and you can be sandwiched? Game. Okay. Uh, my other game is uh, the Last Remnant, which is another JRPG. Um, I have talked about this before a long time ago, like several years ago, I believe was the last time I talked about it. Um. It is a little bit more of a classic JRPG in terms of, like, the battling. The, you know, it's it's turn-based. Um, there is some tactical elements to it. Um, you play as a character by the name of Rush Sykes, who is trying to track down and rescue his sister, who has been taken by the big bad, because they're special. And the adventure of the story, they're, they're being your sister and you. Like, this character's family is, is special. And throughout the course of the game, you meet characters who help you find your sister and your family, and you uncover why and how you're special. The world is populated by these artifacts, or not populated, but filled with these artifacts called remnants that vary in power and uh, size and what they can do. Hence the name The Last Remnant. You are pursuing, ultimately, like this ultimate final remnant that's supposed to do like a, a prophecy. I don't want to say too much in case somebody wants to go play it. I don't want to spoil everything. Um, this game, the the things that it does differently are instead of having single characters, you get to build squads. The game calls them unions, but they're squads of, of characters. They can be the named NPCs, you know, your, your character, the named NPCs, or they can be soldiers or mercenaries, which you can recruit throughout the course of the game. Um, and in doing so, you can create formations which promote um, certain types of stats or certain types of things. Certain formations are better for magic users, others for uh, unions that are going to try to charge in, others that are going to fight more defensively. There's a lot you can do to mix and match and play with it. Um, you get rewarded in different ways, uh, you know, for making ones that are balanced versus ones that are specialized. There's pros and cons. The system is handled fairly well. Um, you cannot directly level up any of your companions, but the more you use them, they gain experience. And even ones that are not being used still gain experience. And occasionally they'll ask you to do little side quests for them or to provide them with equipment from the stuff that you have looted. And that also levels them up. Um, 
and the the game there's a instead of everybody lining up and fighting each other there is a bit of 3d space that's played with here as whenever you fight enemies um there's a map and the unions maneuver against one another for better striking positions um and in the early game it doesn't matter so much but later on um in the mid game and especially the end game when you've got a lot more units under your control it starts to matter a lot more it's certainly not as tactical as a you know turn-based uh war game or something like that but there are tactics which can be employed and overall i have found this game incredibly enjoyable i have played it several times i've never fully finished the game like i've gotten far enough in the game that like i know what the story is and it's like okay the next thing ahead is the final adventure to beat the 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 big bad guy and win and then i've never finished it just kind of a life thing um so this time i'm hoping i actually do finish it um i've just been been playing it a little along um it's it's interesting the game has got some pretty deep politics and political philosophy that as a teenager when I played this I completely missed and in my early 20s when I the last time I played it so you know a decade ago give or take um I saw it and I was like oh that's some political stuff neat and then I just like breezed past it and this time going through I'm like oh whoever like made this game like wanted to put some deep political philosophy in there uh where that there are there's there's like some some intrigue and some back and forth and some fairly lengthy discussions about different systems and types of government that play out between characters over the course of uh the game and i'm still within like the first 25 to 30 percent so far and that's just like oh neat didn't notice this stuff before so getting it is a little bit more difficult it was pulled from steam um because there was supposed to be a uh, remaster, and the remaster never came. Um, and because it was a Xbox, ex- an Xbox 360 exclusive JRPG, um, there are some ISOs of it out there, and with mixed results. Um, I-, I happen to have it on Steam from when I bought it many years ago. So if you can get it, if you can manage to get it, it plays pretty well on modern hardware. Um, you know, my frame rate is, <laughs> it tells me it's in the thousands. It's a decent looking game, but I mean, you know, it's from the late 2000s, early 2010s. So, you know, your mileage may vary on that, depending on how you feel about graphics from that era. But it does lack, or not rather, not lack, but it doesn't adhere to the very like brown style of the era it's very vibrant full of colors um and colorful characters so i like it if i remember correctly you bounced off of it you didn't like it as much yeah, whenever I, you played yeah, it I bounced very hard off of it just because it seemed like i could never figure out what the hell is going on combat was yeah but overall i have found it enjoyable so if somebody ever gets a chance to play it wants to try it out go for it you know Feel free to raise the Jolly Roger, unless you've got an Xbox 360 that still works and managed to find a used copy. Actually, I don't know what they... Hang on. Let's do a little eBaying. Just out of curiosity. The last remnant. Looks like you can buy the Xbox 360 version for between $10 and $20. And it depends on how 
new slash complete of an edition do you want? That's not bad, though. That's better than I was expecting. Lots of times these games, like, disappear for forever. But Yeah, well, the, the retro video game market's a complete shit show these days. Yeah. So... Uh, oh uh, wait! Did they bring it to Switch? They also talked about bringing it to Switch at one point. I don't see it. Sorry. Carry on. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with pirating old games like this because it's just far too tough to be able to uh, find some of these at a decent price. Yeah, I agree. I'm all about piracy. Raise the Jolly Roger. Although, uh, if you do want to play The Last Remnant Remastered, it is on Switch for 20 bucks. Oh, so they did put that on Switch. There you go. I guess it was digital <laughs> only, because I didn't see it on when I looked for it on eBay. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's digital only. Well, there you go. I guess the remaster came out somewhere. Yeah. Also, it looks like it's on Google uh, Play. Really? Yeah, it's on Google. On, wow. Uh, on Android, at least. I didn't. I didn't realize it was there at all. Yeah, same uh, over there. Twenty bucks, which twenty bucks on uh, a bubble device feels very different from than uh, yeah on the Switch, huh? It does, but if it's the full game and they made sure it's, that the, it's the remaster, yeah, if they made sure that the touch interface works well, like I mean, it is a full solid game. Like it is a legit game. So, um, oh. Uh. There's a yawn. Uh, it looks like it's on PlayStation Store also available. The the HD remaster? Yeah. Well, good for them. All right. Looks like you can play it a little more easily than I was aware of. Except on PC. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like it's developed by Rockstar or something. Oh, geez. <laughs> All right. What else you got? Uh, so, uh, speaking of games that... Uh, I didn't pay for, but kind of also did. Uh, another battle royale uh, of a completely different uh, genre. So, turns out, Nintendo realized that they had a, fr- uh, a franchise that they completely forgot about for, you know, 15 years? Yeah, a while. And released a battle royale version of it. F-099. A retro... F-Zero game, it feels and plays like a mismatch of like the SNES and a couple of the more modern versions. I will admit, I'm not a huge F-Zero fan, so I can't say this mechanic is from this version, this mechanic is from this version. But it feels very much like going back and playing, you know, like on the SNES. Only, um, there's 98 competitors. <laughs> <coughs> And it gets a little chaotic. So, this is free for anybody that has Nintendo Switch Online, which I do. And, uh, why am I yawning if I'm not tired? I guess it's your week to to be like this. Yeah. Uh, uh, Which, you're going to have to have Nintendo Switch Online to be able to play the damn thing anyway, right? Yeah. So, you have four uh, uh, classes of cars, uh, or hover... uh, uh, craft to uh, choose from. And it kind of just uh, throws you into the deep end. There's a short tutorial with uh, like a handful of bots that, and then they expand upon that to more bots, more bots until you're racing against the full 99. And 
that just throws you into the deep and uh, it's like, okay, well, that's good enough. Uh, here, have some opponents. But I don't find it as frustrating as Headbangers for a few reasons. One is that uh, while they do uh, call some uh, racers during a race, it's not as extreme oh, as I uh, might bump as I try to untangle my uh, headphone cords. It's not as extreme as uh, Headbangers where uh, it's, oh, yeah, the top, uh, uh, only the top t- uh, 20, the, uh, the top 10 uh, get to see the final round uh, out of uh, 30. This, they uh, only take out the last five on each lap. So, uh, for a full race, you're looking at uh, 75 uh, people still running. You know, basically just taking out the very, very slowest, right? Yeah. Which feels fun. I mean, if you're uh, you're having a bad time if you're uh, getting uh, 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 ranked out like that. Although there are other modes that it's more aggressive. But we're, we're talking base mode, right? Uh, there's, I want to say, 20 tracks that you can encounter. Uh, there's some that's just in the base mode. There's a rotating special mode, which uh, sometimes it's at team play, where it's like uh, green versus pink. Uh, and instead of racing individuals, you're racing as a team. And it's the highest team score at the end of the race wins. So, yeah. Highest places uh, gets points. Uh, knocking out others gets points. Uh, collecting sparks, which uh, whenever uh, people hit each other, it creates sparks uh, that you can collect, which uh, can y- you could use once your meter's full to create a super boost, which basically takes you to a second layer of the track that has no hazards on it and is faster. But you're only there for a short amount of time, so it's you know becomes very strategic of you know hanging back a little bit, collecting sparks, and then you know going uh, taking essentially the shortcut on a harder portion of the track. Or if you do like I do, you know, accidentally uh, hit it whatever I'm trying to boost right uh, before I hit the pit lane, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Then there's the uh the king's race, the queen's race, uh. And the pro races, which are, are on the harder tracks, which are, have also more aggressive calling on uh, slower uh, uh, slower racers. So instead of like the last five, it'd be like the last ten. And these are also linked races. So instead of you know one and done, the king's race I think is five races overall. And everything carries over. So, or I should say, uh, your knockouts carry over. So whenever you knock out somebody, uh, it automatically refills your energy, which is used to boost, but also give, you know, it's kind of your life bar. Right. Uh, But whenever you knock somebody out, you also get an extended on that, or an extension on that. So if you knock out a few people in an early race, you're going into the next race, uh, with an advantage because you know you have a bigger life bar, right? Right. So it makes it very strategic on uh, do I want to hang back into the uh, pack and try to get a couple knockouts? Do I want to try to go forward and try to get points because each po- uh, position gets so many points? 
but there's also the risk of you know getting left behind and getting uh, knocked out by just not having enough points. Right? I've been having a lot of fun with it, and I think it's mostly just because there's so many ways to compete, even in just the basic mode. So th- you'll have uh, the overall race standing, which I think my best has been in the upper 20s, which isn't bad considering I'm not particularly great at F-Zero. Uh, then it's based on your uh, skill rank, which is uh, goes up or down based on how many rivals you uh, comp- uh, you beat. Uh, every time you start a race, you're given uh, four rivals, which are essentially the racers at the closest to your skill ranking. And if you beat them, your skill rank goes up. If they, uh, if you lose to all of them, your skill rank goes down. Uh, so it compares uh, your skill ranking, your, uh, uh, what position you are in that particular hovercraft, and. I think uh, how many uh, sparks or how how many people you knocked out uh, compares that to others. So there's a lot of metrics to to like compete on. Plus, it, you know, it, it, you get to do most of the race even if you know things go poorly, right? Yeah, it, it feels like it's there's so many lessons here for like uh, a battle royale like headbangers where. You could sit in a, uh, for headbangers. You could sit in a lobby for two minutes, waiting for it to fill up, only to get knocked out within ten seconds because you got bad uh, uh, luck with the uh, uh, w- with the matchups. Right? It's not a good look when F zero, unless you get crashed out or you know, have somebody just you know, uh, go really after you. You're looking at yeah, racing longer than you did uh, uh, said in the lobby, which is a good <laughs> uh, a balance of uh, you know, matchmaking versus actual gameplay, right? Yeah, I've heard really good things about F zero ninety nine. Is it F zero ninety nine? Yeah, F zero ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. I've heard really good things about F zero ninety nine. Yeah, I would say it's definitely worth a download, especially if you already have Nintendo Switch Online. I'm not sure if it's a you know, a service seller, you know, uh, get it just for that. But it's a good add-on. Yeah. Cool beans. And, oh, and they also just added a, like, classic mode that is, instead of 99, it's uh, 20 players. And it's more mirroring the uh, SNES version of uh, F-Zero, but unfortunately I haven't played it just yet to get a feel for how that actually plays. Yeah. But they've been adding on to it and uh, adding more tracks, adding more modes. So it's been rather impressive. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it. It sounds good. Um, you know, if I had Nintendo Online, Nintendo Plus, N- Nintendo Live, um, I would be playing it. I'm a pretty pretty big F-Zero fan. I've not played all of them, because there's a few sort of spinoffs, and then some stuff that's like Japan only, mm. and there's the arcade cabinet only one that I've never seen in real life, but you know, I played the the SNES and the N64 and the GameCube versions, and um, you know, thoroughly enjoyed, because there were a couple on GameCube, I believe. 
But mm-hmm. this remind there was a mode I can't remember if it was the N sixty four or the GameCube version, uh, which was F zero X and F zero G X, where that there was like a, it, there was like a death race, and it was you picked one of of the the racers, and you just raced on a loop on a track until there was only one racer left, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of makes me think of that a little bit. I mean, sounds like it. But I, I think there were thirty. Something like 30 or 35 racers, so that was the max. It didn't get as crazy as 99, but... Oh, uh, just the uh, uh, the start, where it zooms in, and uh, you see this just giant uh, fanning out of uh, all the hovercrafts. It's rather impressive. I mean, I know that it's not an SNES engine, or, you know, it's not, you know, emulation. You know, it's made to look at... <laughs> It may, it's made to really look at uh, look the part, but it's kind of impressive looking of just seeing uh, all those hovercraft just hanging out uh, ready to go, and just the pandemonium that uh, happens whenever uh, everything gets going, especially whenever uh, well you're essentially launched onto the track itself. It's not a starting grid; it's more like a starting yo know, mosh pit. Right. A scrum. <laughs> I like the word scrum. It's a fun word. But yeah, anyways. Neato, uh, you ready to move on to our news topics? Yep. All right. First news topic of the night. Epic Games defeats Google in jury trial over App Store Monopoly case. Oh, boy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the irony of uh, Google losing when Apple didn't, right? Yeah. But from what I understand, it's mostly just because Google did a bunch of like backroom deals with various other apps so that they got preferential treatment compared to Epic did or what Epic was getting. I mean, don't get me and don't get me wrong. I don't feel sorry for Google and I don't feel sorry for Epic. There's no good guy in this. No, this is like a a let them fight situation. Like mm-hmm. No matter who wins, we all lose. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. But. Now, now, the question is, what does this actually mean going forward? And that's one thing that, looking uh, around, I haven't found an actual answer of what what does this change? Yeah, I haven't seen one either. I mean, from the article that we've got, let's see, did they postulate... No, yeah, even in the, even then it says, at this moment, it doesn't know what kind of remedies Epic will win, as these will be decided by a judge following a meeting with both parties in mid-January. And so far, Epic has not requested any kind of monetary damages. Mm-hmm. So. So, right now, it's just, you know, sit down and wait, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I wish that there would be a positive outcome from this, because mm-hmm. they also say in the article, like, um... You know, mentions that the trial proves the urgent need for legislation that would address Apple and Google's hold on the smartphone market. I mean, yeah, but I don't think that any legislation that would be actually put forward and, and put through, especially not in the States, probably not in the United Kingdom, maybe, maybe in the European Union, they've got the best chance, I think. But even then, like, I just, yeah. Who knows? I mean, in the United States, not counting 
absolutely fucking evil people with uh, too many uh, vested interests and you know secondary people uh, being yeah paying them off. You have a bunch of old dinosaurs that I'm not even sure that they would know how to use a smartphone without their assistants telling them how to use it. Right. Yeah, our young politicians are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, that that reminds me of uh, there was a a book cover of the the young guns of the Republican Party, and they're all graying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the young guns of the Republican Party. That's silly. Uh, young guns, a new generation of conservative leadership, and they're all in there. 50s, I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm not looking at the the picture. Well, let's see. Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, which, oh boy, right? Oh, geez. I mean, Paul <laughs> Ryan is in his 40s. Like, yeah, he's supposed to be some hot young dude. And, like, he's, I'm pretty sure he's in his 40s. And, and I mean, yeah, that's not it. And, and Eric Cantor, which is 60. Young guns, right? Yep, real young. Real young progressive conservatives. <laughs> uh, and Paul Ryan is fifty three. Oh, jeez, he's okay. He's older than I th- thought. And McCarthy is fifty eight. Now Kevin McCarthy is. That's about what I what I thought he was at. Uh, and also, yo, out of a job. Yeah, but considering this is what they're saying is the young leadership of the party, right? Yeah. Uh, I saw a graph one time showing just like the average uh, age of the United States versus uh, uh, well, Congress in general, and it's just ridiculous uh, how it's been in the last like what well, our lifetimes. So, saying that uh, that they would have any chance of passing any uh, proper regulation, never. Yeah. It would either be out of touch, severely flawed, or both. I'm skimming through the article some more, looking for something interesting or, or um, you know, noteworthy. But really, it's just like, yep, epic wins. We don't know what this means yet. It mm-hmm. probably need more legislation, but you know, we'll see how what happens with that. So, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't we'll know. touch you... back on this uh, in January, I guess, when we get some actual information on what it actually means. Yeah. Because so... right now, it doesn't mean anything outside of, hey, Epic uh, wins. Woo. Woo. All I still right. think it's funny that, that they uh, lost to the lockdown platform. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so our next news topic... Uh, Bethesda, as an entitled little brat, has got a couple of, of topics in it, so we editorialized a, <laughs> I guess you could call it a parent topic. Yeah. So, uh, shall we touch on Starfield again? Sure, uh, let's touch on Starfield our newest again. Boy. So, there is a mod for Skyrim called Skyrim Together, which is a uh, co-op, or I should say was a co-op uh, uh, mod where two people would be able to adventure uh, uh, Skyrim together. And, well, uh, the extended ed- or enhanced edition, or whatever the hell they called uh, the re-release, or the latest re-release of Skyrim, 
I essentially broke the mod, so it's technically def- uh, yeah, no longer supported. Right. Well, Sky, uh, well, uh, Sky, Starfield came out, and the team behind that mod uh, started toying around with Starfield uh, to uh, see if they could port their code into Starfield uh, and have a proper co-op experience. Because, damn, if Starfield doesn't feel like one of those games that should have some sort of, uh, uh, yeah, if not local, yeah, online co-op, right? Yeah. Starfield would be a a better game with co-op. I mean, I think that scrubs a lot of games, but... Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say as the games in general would be a lot better with co-op. Uh, Fallout 76 is not what people wanted when uh, they said they wanted multiplayer uh, Fallout. They just wanted co-op. Yep. Which, it's really not fair uh, putting a post-apocalyptic uh, West Virginia map up, because... You, you did several billion dollars of improvement to make that map. <laughs> and also, there's not nearly enough Dollar General stores. Completely uh, 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 unrealistic. Zero out of ten. Or whatever their fake Dollar General is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you need Dollar General, you need Dollar Tree. Family uh, Dollar. Family Dollar. Uh, tutors. You, you, need some, uh, you need some biscuit places. Of course. Hardee's or, or Carl's Jr.? I don't know which one you have in that area. Uh, we have Hardee's. Okay, yeah. Wait, Waffle yeah, House? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, there's only like one or two Waffle Houses in the state. So, you know, that, that could be the, the, the battle arena, you know? You go, to, <laughs> you go to the Waffle House to fight. As you do. I mean, really, that's, yeah. Everyone does. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 tried to put their code over, and, uh, and, and basically they got most of the way done, according to this article, about seventy percent of the way done, and then started playing the game, and uh, to play test it, and realized that the game just is boring. <laughs> yep. Quote, the modder who started working on the project thinks the Space Fang RPG is fucking trash. So, there you go. <clears throat> I just, I find this to be hilarious. Oh, I saw this on my way to work to, this morning, and I had to share it, <laughs> because... Uh, okay, it, it might be unfair for us to kick Starfield de- uh, while it's down, but... It's also uh, was shit out by a major corporation, so fuck him. Well, uh, if you want to fuck Todd Howard, but you have to watch out for the Todd race. I mean, I would. Uh, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I would. And we, <laughs> and we found your price. I would leave him. I would leave him unfinished and unsatisfied. <laughs> He'd pay me seventy dollars. I wouldn't get him off. And then uh, <laughs> I would just. I would just leave and tell him to find some modders. To come back and 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 finish the job, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I don't. I I'm just. I'm making a face. I don't know what else to do other than like a mm, yes, yes face. So um, yeah. I, I thought it was kind of hilarious, uh, and kind of uh, <clears throat> uh, got me thinking about how entitled Bethesda is about the body community for their games. 
Yeah, this is. A, yeah, I'm glad you said that because it kind of slipped my mind. Because I mentioned this to you earlier. There's a there's a YouTuber, you, YouTuber, YouTuber <laughs> called the the Patrician that I watch, um, and he has done long form analysis videos on Morrowind, Oblivion, and Skyrim. And he said that he would do one on Starfield, and then he was probably going to be done with Bethesda's games, at least for a while, because he wanted to do some projects on some games that he enjoys. Because he liked, he likes Morrowind, but he really likes Morrowind. He likes Oblivion. He said he liked Skyrim until he played it with that sort of critical eye, and that he hated his experience with Starfield. But the one thing that he said several times during his eight-hour-long analysis video is that Bethesda Game Studios has really gained a sense of entitlement over the last decade to 15 years because modders so loved their older games that they developed, you know, all of these mods, mods for them. And so Bethesda has relied so heavily on modders to um fix the game, complete the game, add features to it that they just expect it to happen now. And Starfield he thinks, he hopes has now pushed the the modding community to the point where that they're they're not going to do mods for Starfield and they're going to leave it broken or mostly broken. And I think I agree with that. I agree with that. I would love to see like not from like a a malicious standpoint. I mean fuck corporations, like I hate corporations, like whatever. But not from a malicious standpoint of like, ha, this would feel good for them to fit. But it's like, every once in a while, everybody needs to be knocked down a peg. Especially if you're so arrogant. And Bethesda Game Studios, because the main people, you know, Todd Howard and... Um, I mean, Todd Howard especially as the sort of the face of Bethesda, but there are uh, more others. More like the ass of Bethesda. Right. But because he's so arrogant... I just want to see him, you know, like, get busted up over this, you know, schadenfreude. Yeah, but the thing is, what you know, what he's really going to get is a golden parachute. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I would love to see that. I also, I mean, Elder Scrolls Six. I'm, I had, I had lost faith a long time ago in that being a good game, but, like, Starfield is just, like, sort of the final nail in the coffin. If, if it's... If Bethesda Game Studios is still a part of Game Pass, then I will play Elder Scrolls 6 the same way that I have played Starfield, which is through Game Pass, and with no expectation of it being worth anything. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, well, I wasn't hyped for uh, Elder Scrolls 6 to begin with, because, you know, I hated the fifth one so goddamn much. Yeah. Uh, but... I think I think Starfield is how we're going to see Elder Scrolls Six as well, because I I think they're too arrogant to change their formula yet. So I think we're going to see a lot of the really big uh, and uh, impressive set pieces front loaded in Elder Scrolls Six with whatever stories going on there. Okay. And with a handful of uh, faction quests that are once again front loaded for you know big impact, you know really hook you, and then it just falls off a cliff. 
I don't think it's going to be as bad as Starfield, where, you know, well, one, you know, you're not traveling to, you know, a random planet that has the same, you know, uh, three or four goddamn points of interest as the last, you know, 20 you've been to. But yeah. it really shows that their writing has uh, really fallen off, where, you know, all your companions are essentially just palette swaps. Yep. Uh, you have what two really interesting faction quests, and uh, all the other quests are either just fetch quests or you know, kind of middling fetch quests or go here, kill Y or go mm-hmm. to X, kill Y or just uh, uh, <sighs> oh, no, 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 I, I, where you could see the twist a, a mile away where it'll be either uh, this uh, outcome or this outcome. You know, pretty much the second that Sarah said, yeah, all hands presume lost. I, I, I latched on that. Oh, they're not dead. They're not yep. dead. Yep, somebody's going to be left alive, and they're going to be angry. Now, I didn't uh, fully guess child. No, I also didn't fully guess child, but Yeah. I mean, this this will never happen, right? I'm going to just say that up front. What I would love to see is a return in, in terms of game design decisions an almost complete return to Morrowind uh, with modern graphics and AI. Um, and I do like uh, I the presentation. Huh? I went with Morwin's combat system. I, which I was about to say. I, I do prefer Oblivion or Skyrim combat. It's a lot more fluid and feels better. But the, a return to form in terms of, of mechanics with how magic works and things like that in in a uh, Morrowind. Um, yeah, and the and ability it- to, cut, to craft custom spells like you could in Oblivion. Like I want to return to those mechanics... Yeah. With the graphics and AI uh, of and any lessons that may have been learned, I don't know if there have been any, but any lessons that may have been learned in game design for the later games, and that that's what I that's what I want to see. I want to see an actual fucking RPG. Yeah, but the problem is that Bethesda doesn't really sell RPGs anymore. What they sell are essentially sandboxes. I mean, even if you look at their last quote-unquote good game, and I'm using good game in massive sarcasm quotes with Skyrim, a lot of people uh, spent uh, not discounting mods, uh, was more interested in the exploration than it being a RPG. It was uh, exploring the uh, world of uh, Skyrim and seeing all the nooks and crannies and you know, fighting the dragons. It was essentially a sandbox game more than it was an RPG. Yeah. And I think that's getting down to the fundamental problem that that Bethesda has, is that they stopped doing RPGs post-Oblivion. So whenever they build a sandbox that is utterly boring and then try to convince people that, no, the empty sandbox isn't boring, uh, you're just playing it wrong, and it doesn't, and that doesn't work... That's not a bug, it's a feature. They were actually defending the empty planet, saying that, uh, yeah, uh, well, 
uh, men uh, that went to the moon uh, went to an empty planet. So I, I, yeah. I really think Bethesda is so up their own ass uh, that they, that they devolved from building RPGs to just building uh, sandboxes. And I will say that you know Oblivion is kind of the tipping point of everything where you can treat it as a sandbox as well. And that there's a lot of, you know, the harbingers of Skyrim of the later fallouts where there's less onus on RPG mechanics and, you know, building an interesting story, which, you know, Oblivion story can, uh, is a bit out there to begin with. <laughs> But that might just be because they blew most of their uh, voice acting budget on Patrick Stewart and Sean Bean and, you know, had, you know, five people uh, voice the rest of the cast, right? Yeah. Oblivion's story is uh, is interesting. Like, we're we're dangerously close to going off on a tangent about really? other games instead of the news articles, but, you know, I, Oblivion's story is, is interesting. Like, I am... For the main story, I have become convinced that you are not actually the the main character or the protagonist of mm-hmm. the story. That it's Martin who is the protagonist of that mm-hmm. story, and you're an, like you're an important character. But like in 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 the movie, it would be Martin's story, and the player character would show up as like a you know a sidekick or a trusted advisor that's present at all of the big moments, but that is goes and does other things too. Which is interesting. It's an interesting take, and I'm like, I'm okay with it. It's different, but I'm okay with it. And I think that's why Oblivion's main story feels so kind of stilted. Because the rest of the game, for all the other quest lines, you absolutely are the main character. But for the main quest, I I feel like Martin is the main character. Yeah, which I could definitely see that. And I, I, th- I would actually say I would agree with it. Yeah, but it also kind of. Remove some of the importance of, you know, of uh, the player character. You're kind of just, yeah, yeah, pushing the story along than being really a part of it. It, 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 it that gets into an interesting debate of, you know, does the uh, the player character actually have to be the protagonist of the story, right? Yeah, which I mean, I think the answer is no. I don't think so, but. But it has to be done really, really well. Yeah, it has to be done well. So, but yeah. Anyways, let's 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 get back. Let's get back. Uh, yeah, Starfield sucks. We don't like Starfield <laughs> overall. It's mediocre at best. Soulless corporate trash. The modders have said, "Fuck it, this game sucks." Uh, and this is a major modding team. I mean, it does make me wonder. By the time that they actually put out the modding tools, which. But that's the promise, you know, next year we're going to get modding tools. We're going to get, uh, you know, little things like maps in the cities. <laughs> oh, if uh, there's going to be any real modding uh, power behind this game. It, it, I'm, I'm going to be watching uh, Nexus mods with interest because I, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. There'll be some. Will it be enough? Who knows? But there will be some. All right. And, the, and uh, speaking of mods, right? Uh, yes. Let me get back over here to the topics list. Uh, the other Bethesda thing. 
Uh, they brought back paid mods. Yep. With the uh, Skyrim Creation Club. Uh, I have no problem with uh, paying individual modders for their work or yeah, uh, giving them uh, donations. I think my main problem with this is one, uh, Bethesda curates it poorly. It, there's none of the like the major mods. It's all feels like asset flip trash, or yeah, very saying simple is probably not the proper term, but uh, ve- not impactful. You know, like they're not doing any of the like the big expansion type mods. It's like uh, you know a uh, armor. Uh, I think one is some sort of uh, like uh, magic chest that is basically linked throughout the world. But the fact that Bethesda's taking a cut of it really just rubs me the wrong way with it. Yeah. Yeah, Bethesda isn't putting effort into this. No. They're just trying to, to turn on the taps to additional revenue streams. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to let Bethesda off the hook because they were trying to do this before the Microsoft acquisition. But this also feels very much like what happened with Minecraft once Microsoft bought them. Yeah. There was was a little while, you know, a few months, a year, where not much changed. And then it's like, all right, let's open up the taps to, to make money. And so this feels like... Microsoft is like, hey, you know how you tried to do those those paid bonds once before with the Creation Club? Like, do that again. Let's do that again. Oh, and also this uh, the update that put this in also broke a lot of mods because, of course, it did. Yeah. Um, something about changes to the Skyrim script extender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to find a screenshot of exactly uh, what the mods uh, are in this. I uh, I don't think I have Skyrim installed. If I did, I'd just fire it up. I don't, I don't have the special edition, I don't think. Uh, no, I just have regular old Skyrim, because I didn't buy the DLC. Yeah, I, I have the special edition, but it's not installed. Mm-hmm. I, I played no. through Skyrim again sometime earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year. I don't know. I, I played it some. Now, and, uh, it, now the interesting uh, thing about this is... Uh, they kind of buried the lead on this as well. There are fewer limitations now on what mods can offer, as Bethesda FAQ explains. Unlike Creation Club items, paid mods no longer need to be lore-friendly. A modder could add a modern-day guns to Skyrim and charge for them, for example, despite the type of weapon being wildly out of place in the fancy medieval world. Ugh, right? Yeah, which, I mean, you could, you know, you could do that before... But, but it being yeah. curated, that's, I think that's kind of leaving a bad taste. Well, the old Creation Club stuff was, like, they did have those restrictions on it. Um, so any quests or any whatever from the Creation Club content, which was part of the special edition upgrade, you know, all of those mods that are present are quote-unquote lore-friendly. So... They, you know, they add stuff from previous games or characters or items from previous games, um, quest lines that are based on things like one of the Creation Club things adds an Oblivion Gate to a cave in Skyrim and like a a little faction that's like, Mm. oh, no, an Oblivion Gate has appeared. We have to close it. 
have to close shut the jaws of oblivion. Thank you, uh, Mr. Stewart. All right, here's your $20 million. Right. So, um, yeah, all of those mods are somehow tied to the lore. I would assume there's some restrictions on, like, probably sexually explicit content and graphic content, stuff like that. But otherwise, I'm imagining they're just like, yeah, put it up there. Make a few bucks so that we can make a few bucks. Uh, Make a lot more bucks because wasn't the cut really nasty for uh, Creator versus uh, what Bethesda got? Yeah, I want to say it was it was really high, like fifty, sixty percent that Bethesda got. Yeah, I don't, I don't see what the percentage is on this uh, article. Let's head over to the FAQ, and also I do remember that. Their previous effort uh, didn't also really highlight the mod authors at, as well. It was just, hey, here's this thing. Who made it? Who cares? Right. Look at the FAQ. I do not see the percentage on this, which it does not bode well. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't put that up unless you were. You know, you, you wouldn't hide it unless it was bad. You know. I mean, I could just be missing it on this. Yeah, that. Does not bode well that I can't find a percentage on uh, or you know, how the cuts are. Oh, yeah. I, I think as soon as you get the major corporation involved in uh, paying them <laughs> uh, in in the way of uh, paying a mod author, I'm uh, instantly against it. Yeah, same. I, I mean, even if it was you know, just a five percent uh, fee, that's still wait. That's five percent too much to Bethesda. Bethesda does not deserve the revenue that they're getting by selling mods. Yeah. Honestly, no corporation deserves the uh, the revenue by selling mods that you know add to their own game. If uh, Stardew Valley did the same thing, if uh, Terraria did the same thing, uh, if uh, Satisfactory did the same thing, I would still be against it. Uh, it just feels like double dipping. But hey, I, you know... Uh, I'm sure that they have some goodwill left somewhere to burn, right? Yeah. <laughs> the the well, they kind of burned a lot of it with Fallout 76, the Fallout community. Uh, Starfield burned it with the general community. Skyrim is burning theirs with Creation Club stuff. But you know, something, some other rock is unturned. Oh, also, somebody else brought uh, in the comments brought up something. Uh, because this is Creation Club stuff, or you know, their new uh, thing, uh, you're still downloading all the mods, so you're basically just buying the license to unlock them. So hey, all the uh, content is still getting uh, downloaded and uh, clogging up your Skyrim uh, install. Oh, lovely. Another one of those. Just what I wanted. I am, of course, telling lies. I'm making mm-hmm. shit up. But Okie dokie. Well, those were our two main news topics. Let's move on to uh, Community Corner. Um, our first Community Corner submission is Doom's 30th Anniversary Picks Collection, which was oh, sent God. to us <laughs> by right. Ghost Shark. And this is just a, just a little, you know, short little happy. It's a Twitter post um, or an excretion or whatever from someone named Father Chris Mars, which I think is cute. Um, it says, to celebrate the 30th birthday of Doom, here's a thread of everything that I've found that Doom can run on. Some are real, some, maybe not. It's up to you to figure out which. Let's begin with 
Doom on an ultrasound scanner. Well, I'm not logged into uh, Twitter. Uh, yes, I'm dead naming it. So I can't see anything beyond uh, the ultrasound scanner. Ah, I see. Well, there's an ultrasound scanner that they that he posted first. And then Doom on a Disney Princess TV, <laughs> which, you know, technically wouldn't work, but anything that you plugged into the TV would work, so mm-hmm. that, that one checks out. Doom on a smart thermostat, which I could see working. I mean, I mean, it, they're essentially like tiny computers with color, or at least, you know, LCD displays, like even if they're only monochrome or whatever, but I could see that working. I could see that being real. Uh, Doom on a Peloton, which is an exercise bike, <laughs> although I think they make some other stuff, but the Pelotons, uh, they have, like, TVs. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, also, uh, cringy commercials. Yes, but they have TVs on them, and you can, like, bike tracks watching the TV and, like, compete against people, so. But, I mean, that's, you know, again, a computer with a display. I feel like that, that checks out. Uh, Doom on an oscilloscope. Probably not. Um, I mean, I suppose it's possible an oscilloscope could have, like, a full display, but I've never seen one that had one. But who knows? Maybe. Doom on a McDonald's Tetris McNugget. <laughs> uh, that, that was a thing in uh, China, actually. Uh, they did a... Well, it wasn't a giveaway. You could, It was essentially, like, five bucks, I think, uh... And you could get a McNugget that played Tetris. Yeah. You know, uh, I licensed, could... licensed Tetris. I could see it working. I mean, again, computer with a display. So as long as it's got enough computing power, then I could see it working. Doom on a pregnancy test. This one's a video. <laughs> I mean, videos can be faked as well. But they're using the teeny tiny digital display on the pregnancy test to to show it. And it's in black and white. Um, or or grayscale. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's just black and white. But I mean, I, I, again, I guess teen, tiny computer, or they could be do, like doing the processing somewhere else and then feeding it into the tiny screen. Mm-hmm. Seems unlikely, but possible. And we've got Doom on a Winnie the Pooh okay, well, TV. Well, I logged or I went over to my other uh, thing for, uh, for my another browser. Uh, the McNugget is fake. The reason why I know that, uh, the McNugget has an LCD screen. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, or, you know, just, a you know, one of the black and white LED uh, screens. Yeah. So, I gotcha. know that one's faked. Okay. But then we've got Doom on a Disney Winnie the Pooh TV. Again, with the, with the other TV, like, old TV, it wouldn't be running directly on the TV, but anything you plug into it, so it seems plausible. Then we've got Doom on a broom, which is cute. I mean, it's just a a JPEG of a Mm -hmm. Doom screenshot photoshopped onto a broom head, which is, you know, it's cute. Doom on a TI-83. I've seen that. Um, There have been several people who have put Doom on graphing calculators on YouTube, and I've seen some of those videos. Doom on a Commodore pet. Uh, Seems unlikely, but who knows? Maybe. Doom on an Etch-A-Sketch. Uh, cute, very cute, but, uh, you know. I, I I mean, someone has created the image on an Etch-A-Sketch, but yeah, it's not the frame like, rate uh, sucks. It's almost as bad as uh, Starfield. 
right? Hand drawing every frame, one one frame at a time. Oh, what am I talking about? It's better than the Starfields. True. Uh, Doom on a Sony Ericsson K800i, which is an old cell phone. Mm-hmm. Seems That seems probable. Doom on a PC. Yep. Weird. Doom on a Super Mario Brothers Game & Watch. I um, see that one. Yep, I could too. Uh, although, this... although the screen sh- or the screen looks a little weird on that one. Yeah, well, I mean, these are just tiny Nintendo or nin- tiny Game Boy Advances. I've seen these before, mm-hmm. um, and they the, the Game and Watch is that they were like themed Game and Watch, but I mean, they were just Game Boy Advances, so I could see it working. Doom on a belt buckle—that's cute. Um, either someone had this thing custom made or it's photoshopped, but either way. Yeah, you just gotta watch out. Uh, if you uh, pull the belt a little too tight, your love will to rip and tear. Ew. Doom on- <laughs> I got you on that one. You did. Doom on a MacBook Pro Touch Bar. Uh, I've seen people hack these things before to do other functions on, on YouTube, so maybe. It would be awful, but maybe. Doom on an iPod. Sure. Doom on an Atari CTF-1 test rig. I had never seen one of these before. But, I mean, it is a computing device with a screen, so maybe. Doom on a Canon Pixma printer. That seems that seems fake. Like, printers are awful garbage pieces of technology. Like, <laughs> maybe, but I feel like the printer would be too weak and it would just, like, die. Doom on an office phone? Uh, seems unlikely. I've used a bunch of these office phones. They're barely functioning as it is. Doom on a Tamagotchi, very cute. Um, seems fake. Uh, well, I, well, the printer one actually is real. Really? Wow. Okay. I, I, well, let's put it this way: there's a video of it. It is very. It, it's running, but uh, that's uh, being generous, right? Let's just put it this way: it's glitchy and not running that well. So it runs like I do, pretty pretty poorly. Yeah. Let me send you this link. How many more are there? A few more. Doom inside a truck, and it's a truck that's got, like, a huge, like, billboard thing in it. I've seen these that are, like, video game setups, so that seems plausible. Doom on a vape. Yeah, it looks like it uh, was modded firmware. It it has very glitchy uh, textures, but it does work. Yeah. But Doom on a vape pen? Fuck, I don't know. I don't vape enough to know if, if they could do that. Doom on a fingernail. Someone has painted Doom on their fingernail. Very cute. Doom on a Sega Game Gear. Seems plausible. Doom on an ATV. Or ATV. ATM. Seems plausible. Doom on a digital clock pen. Seems Uh, unlikely. uh, But Doom on a Sampo something. Tri-screen color TV. Sure. Mm -hmm. Doom on an NES Classic. And then Doom on a Chainsaw. Is that the last one that he did? Yeah, that's the last one. Yeah, the uh, Chainsaw. Ugh, that looks like a controller of some sort, but I'm blanking on what it is. Yeah, or maybe like a Nerf thing. No, no I know that there was a couple uh, games that put that went out that had like custom controller chainsaws, but I, that one doesn't look familiar to me, to the ones I know. All right. That's the the list. 
I mean, some other people added some stuff at the bottom, mm-hmm. but that's that's the quote-unquote official list. Very cute. I like them. I mean, it's they're, impressive they're all... just how uh, portable Doom is. All right. Um, that's the list. So, let's talk about our last thing tonight. Oh, uh, boy. Which is the day before... Again, this is an editorialization. The day before falls apart only a few days after launch. So the day before, I guess to, to uh, set the this, scene... Uh, so, so that would be the 11th. <laughs> the 11th was a game uh, that was supposed to be kind of a daisy. Um... Uh, shit, what's the other game that I saw it compared to a lot? Um... The Division, like Daisy or The Division or something like that. It's like this open world style game where you're early on in the early days of a zombie apocalypse and you're like trying to survive. And then the game comes out and it is basically nothing like that at all other than the fact that you have to survive hordes of zombies because it is a a wave-based shooter. And essentially, was it Asset Flip, wasn't it? Yep. Turns out that According to uh, people who have have looked into it, uh, that every major asset in the game is just like comes straight from another source. Which not a good look. No, definitely not a good look. Oh, and also, uh, in order to get to the big hub area, you have to go through a tutorial that just happened to be two hours long. Weird. Yay! But yeah, so. Um, yeah, the day before, a bunch of people bought it, about a quarter of a million. Eh, not quite, 200,000. Um, and pretty much immediately, population started dying off, and about 50% of the people who've bought the game so far have uh, refunded it. Yeah, which now Steam has opened uh, to blanket uh, refunds, no questions asked. Yeah. Which, you know, that, that's... Not unheard of, but it's kind of a rarity. It doesn't pop up too often. So, yeah, uh, the game studio, uh, it's either closed down because they uh, put closure.jpg out, but also on some of their previous games, they've changed the name of the uh, studio that made it, the developer, which, ooh, right? And they've also been trying to go back and, like, air to and remove the aspects that. Yeah, this is a MMO. I will admit, I had not heard a damn thing about this game until yeah, the uh, shit hit the fan with this. Yeah, uh, neither not, did I. I'm not sure if it's just it was outside of my gamer space, if it's or you know, if I'm just not trolling Kickstarter enough or what. I think I remember seeing it on like a Reddit post or something, but like that's it. Like I had no other interactions with this game before. I mean, at first glance, it looks okay. Like, but you know, reading into it. For, for any amount of time, like, reveals it to be sorely lacking as a generous read. But yes, at this point, it is, has lost 80% of its player base since the initial launch. Approximately 50% of the players who bought the game have requested a refund. And they're trying to scrub from the internet the fact that they said that they were an MMO in the first place. Whoops. Yeah, whoopsie. Made a mistake there, fella. Yeah, the internet never forgets, right? Absolutely. It may eventually forgive, but now the question is, 
is, you know, are we going to see them pop up again later on, right? I don't know. Depends on how much money they lose them overall. I mean, I'm talking about another uh, rug pull uh, thing going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine so. Because, I mean, there's there's always new people who haven't been exposed to the scheme that you could sucker in. Which is kind of sad just how easy it is, huh? Yep. If you had, like, no quabbles about being an absolute asshole, it's very easy just to, you know, make tons of money online. Yeah, damn my morals, right? Right. So, I don't know. Do you have things to add? Things that you want to uh, say about it? Not really. I mean... This just feels like another game that, looking at it, should have been, like, red flags all over the place, and people got really, really hyped for it, and then... Nothing. I mean, I will say that I set a land speed record for uh, the rug pull. Yeah, I haven't seen a developer close-up shop in three days after launch. Yeah, not I I mean, I mean, even Gollum lasted a week or two. So, yeah, that's impressive. About the only thing impressive about that game, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry, we don't really have a lot to say about this one. It's just yeah, it's just kind of a shitty situation. I mean, I, we've seen worse, to be mm-hmm. sure, but it's still pretty, pretty shitty. Yeah, but I'm sure it'll happen again because it's far too easy to just you know, put a, you know, a few pretty screenshots on Kickstarter. I'm I'm assuming that this was a Kickstarter game because I know that there was a lot of hype going into it. So I know that they built uh, you know, a fan base somewhere. Yeah, I'm looking. It's some I'm sort looking of crowdfunding. Right um, let's just let's yeah crowdfunding. Let's try putting that in. Crowd. It would help if I could spell. Oh, it says it's important to note that we didn't take any money from the public during development. There were no pre-orders or crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, that's actually shocking. Usually whenever there's stuff like this that goes on, there's you know, some sort of a, a big uh, campaign beforehand. I'm actually shocked on that one. Yeah. As my- although although yeah, they sold 200,000 units, uh, uh, so there definitely was a, a hell of a, a, a campaign going on. An initial interest... But yeah, all right. Well, that's all of our topics on the docket for today. Yeah, surprised we didn't talk about E three dying. Uh, yeah, E 3s dying. No, no, it's dead. But uh, we've retired the little red dress. It's it's seen too many horrors. Yep. Long yep. live sh- the Shikhadra bot. All hail Shikhadra bot. But yeah, no, we talked about it. E three's dead. <laughs> that's about all the consideration I'd heard for it. It's like, oh, they're dead now. Okay. So yeah, where can people send us stuff if they want to? Well, you could uh, jump on the Discord, which you can find a link to that over at vtlpodcast.podbean.com. You could uh, tweet us, uh, and yes, I'm still using the word tweet. Fuck you, Elon, and your uh, shitty cyber truck. Uh, uh, VTL Podcast over there on the blue burb. Or you could email us, vtlpodcast at gmail.com. Now, why don't you hit them with them socials? Well, I've been socials. caffeine rage. Uh, maybe someday I'll get back on the blue burb and, uh, but you can still contact me, gaming or CR over there, or you can be my friend over on Steam, caffeine rage. And you've been, I've been Jared. You can find me 
on, as you say, the Bluebird at JMA four seven zero seven. Although I am I am tweeting much less than I used to because I'm also now on Blue Sky. Uh at same same username, same handle, JMA four seven zero seven. I was um, gonna I, say it, it's really impressive that you got uh the username, same username. <laughs> Touche. Um but no, I, I do currently have one invite code. Um and like they generate every so often. I'm not sure how. At first I thought it was based on how much you posted and interacted with the community, but I had a few days where like I was really busy and I didn't post very much and I got another code. So I don't know, they might be on a timer or something. I might hijack one from you, try it out. Okay. I mean, yeah, I've got a code literally right now, so if you want it, I can DM it to you. Yeah, go ahead and send it to me. Okay. Reset the timer, right? Yep. Um, But yeah, also you can find me, obviously, on our Discord, and uh, I don't know, anywhere else that that podcasts may be sold. I'm doing it right now, because if I don't, I will forget. Done. And paste and send so all you gotta do is download the blue sky app from the play store and then when it asks you for an invite code paste that in all right but uh yeah so that's that's your socials that's my socials what else uh take us home rage take us home you uh, once again, you can contact us via job podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, tweet and peers via job podcast, or drop out the Discord, which you find a link to that over at vjobpodcast.podbean.com. And if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro and outro music is on the ground. I can make love. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.